You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Maybe you didn't hear me. Good morning, church. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. As Lyle mentioned earlier, my name is Matt. And I have the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at Vintage. And if, if you're new to Vintage, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. If you're family, welcome back. We love you. We are so grateful for the opportunity to be together and worship today. Uh, grab your phone or your tablet or whatever you're doing. Go to the Vintage app. That's the best way for you to kind of stay connected to our church, man. You can set up push notifications so you hear events going on in our kids' ministry, student ministry, things that are happening around our church. And there's a notes tab there that will allow you to kind of follow along as I am teaching this morning. Like I said, we're in part two of a series that we do about this time every year called Live Love, where we revisit kind of why we exist. And if you're new to Vintage and you wonder, like, what's this church all about? It's kind of crazy. These people are loud and they're screaming and they're crazy about Jesus and there's lights everywhere. Like, what is all this about? It's so we're here to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. We didn't come here to build a building or build a church, although I do hope we build a building one day because setup is tiring. Amen, setup teams. Thank you. Uh, some of y'all are like, I don't think it's that bad. You ain't ever done it. <laughs> um, I have people say all the time, I hope you're on a school forever. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Uh, but we're here to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. That's why we exist. And so every year we take some time just to kind of center ourselves back on this mission and, and dig deep into, all right, let's just be reminded that we're here. And every year, like, I'm just seek the Lord. And I cannot be honest with you, sometimes it's like, all right, God, I don't know how to say this in a new or a fresh way, but maybe it, that's okay. Um, sometimes we don't need to learn anything new. We just need to apply what we already know um, and or maybe get it in a way that kind of pushes us into a deeper level of understanding of it. And and so I began to just dig back into the book of Acts as well, and because that's why we call this church Vintage Church, because it means the representative of the best of a past time. And our hope was that we would start a movement of God that would embody the beauty that we see in the book of Acts. And we read verses like this, and this one particular just kind of stood out to me as we were preparing for this year's version of Live Love. And it's from Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. This is every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that latter part of verse 47 just kind of became something that got stuck in my heart. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That every single day people were finding hope in Jesus. Every single day people were understanding what it meant to follow him. And so our staff, the leadership of our church began to kind of hashtag 22. Like, because this series from first Sunday to last Sunday will be a span of 22 days. And we just said, God, if you would at least let us see in those 22 days, one person taking their next step in faith in each of those days, those important numbers, like salvations. God, at least let us see 22 people accept you for the first time over that 22 span. Then last Sunday, between both services that you heard Lyle mention, 15 people accepted Jesus. Let's celebrate that. And six more this morning in the nine o'clock service. Now, I'm not great at math, and I don't have, I have my shoes on, so we're going to see if I can count, but we're getting close. And I just believe God's going to blow our mind. We've been praying for at least 22 people to go through 
the waters of baptism and go public with their faith. We've already had some people sign up for that. We're praying for people to, at least 22 people to sign up for life groups because we just feel like that community is necessary. As of right now, we had 14 of those new people in the last week, 14 people signed just all kinds of cool things that God is doing, and I believe we're just beginning to scratch the surface as we look at one more time at what God has called us to do, because our belief is very, very strongly that God don't, doesn't just want to just meet you, but wants to have a relationship with you. And as you have that relationship and you walk with Jesus, that your life is going to continue to look more and more like his life. That Jesus is going to be reflected in the way that you live. And if you know Jesus, you claim to follow Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, then today your life should look more like his life than it did yesterday. Right? Amen, church. Come on. Preach with me this morning. That's our goal. That's our job. But then I've discovered, all right, I say that statement, but then in the culture we live in, I'm not sure that we really have an accurate idea of what that means anymore. Because what I'm discovering is we want this cultural Jesus that we're comfortable with and not a biblical Jesus that was controversial. Come on. Like we want to water Jesus down to this really very passive, politically correct, kind little figure. But when you dive into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you begin to see what Jesus said and see all that Jesus did, like that's not the portrait I see. And what I think when, I, when we started this church and when we began Years ago, when I said inspiring people to live and love like Jesus, what people heard then and what people think now are not necessarily the same things. So we decided we're just going to dig deep back into the Gospels during this series and really, once again, look at the life of Jesus and really get an idea once again. What does it really look like? What does it really mean to live and love like Jesus? Because you can very easily and casually say that in this room, but living and loving like Jesus ain't easy. I don't know if somebody once told you, oh, you just, you accept Jesus, and then all of a sudden your, your bank account will be full, lucky charms will run from the sky, your marriage will never have a problem again, and everything's going to be awesome. Because if there's a believer in the room that knows that ain't true, will you say amen? amen. Again, I'll remind you, like, following Jesus makes your life better. It does not make it easier. And so we just said, all right, let's really dig into this and look once again. And last week, we kind of started, and we started looking at, hey, Jesus was just as much known for what he said as what, is he did, what he did. And we love nice little miracle Jesus, healing people Jesus, water into wine Jesus. And I told y'all, some of y'all like that a little too much. But when you look at what Jesus said, and the, and the most controversial things he said were the things he said about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And yeah, Jesus is an exclusive path, but he gives an all-inclusive invitation. But you cannot have the life you desire. Jesus plus nothing equals life. Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer to the life that you're looking for. But I want to dive into another thing that Jesus said as kind of we jump into what I want us to tackle this morning. Go to, go to your, in your Bibles and pull it up on the app, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, we see an interesting exchange with Jesus and his disciples. And before we dive into the verse that we want to read, which is verse 35, here's what's happening. You remember, Jesus had called these disciples, these ragtag group of guys, to come and follow him. And one day, they're kind of having this conversation as they're traveling from one place to another. And these disciples, these, these knuckleheads that are just trying to figure this thing out, are having this really ridiculous conversation. They're like, I'm the greatest. No, 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 I'm the greatest. They're like four-year-olds, Right? They're having this conversation about who's going to be where when they enter the kingdom and, and says, no, I'm going to be the greatest. And I don't know what they were using to figure out why they would be the greatest and be better than anybody else. And I feel like Jesus feels like a parent. He's like, these kids. Come on, anybody ever had that moment? Like, the, I will turn this car around and I will 
And you know, if daddy ever really did stop the car, it was on. And so Jesus kind of has a family meeting. Anybody ever had a family meeting? So he had like a come to Jesus meeting, like a, this is for real, come to Jesus meeting. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. After this conversation, Jesus finally gets to him to a place, and he says, all right, like, y'all, y'all come here and sit down a minute. Because Jesus has overheard this conversation this whole time, this ridiculous conversation about who's great, who's great, who's this, who's that. And so Jesus is like, yo, just, just come here and, and, and gather around me for a minute. Verse 35, Mark chapter 9. He says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 among them, like, guys, come here. And this is what he said. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And in one sentence, Jesus just said something really life-changing and profound. He says, y'all are having this conversation about who's going to be first and who's going to be this and who's going to be that. And, and isn't that our culture is, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and I'm going to have this title, I'm going to have this position, I'm going to be this great and I'm going to have this much money, this size house, blah, 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 blah. I feel like sometimes Jesus says, hey, Christians, come here a second. Let's have a little come-to-me meeting. Anyone who wants to be first, you want to you be first, then you must be willing to humble yourself to the point where you're very last. And you're going to have to be the servant of all. And now us, there's some of us thinking, yeah, uh-huh, I, 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 know, I knew that. I get that. No one didn't live in it or not very, the very same things, are they? Come on. Notice what he says, the servant of all. Some of us are really being the, the servant of some. Or better yet, the servant of a select few. Come on. I want to serve the people that will serve me back. I want to serve the people that I like. I want to serve the people that look like me. I'll serve the people who believe like me. I'll serve the people that are most convenient for me to serve and I don't have to be put out too much. Come on. But Jesus says, no, if you want to be the servant, like the kind of servant that I'm looking for, the kind of servant that's going to look like me, if, you're going to, if that's going to be your goal, you have to be the servant of all. So if we're going to live and love like Jesus, serving others is not an option. It's what we're called to do. If you want to live in love like Jesus, if we're going to be a people who lives in love like Jesus, then serving other people is at the core of who we are and what we do. And now we say that, and you're like, yeah, I want to serve like Jesus. He was so nice. He was so kind. He does. But you know what, man? When I, when I dig into the scriptures, I see a pattern connected to how and when and where Jesus served that I don't think we are comfortable with as a people. When you look and you really dig into the Gospels, when you dig into the Scriptures and you really pay attention to when and who and where and how Jesus served, it is not anything that most of us are comfortable with. Can I show you? Go to, let's start with Matthew chapter 9. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Because you, what I want to point out to you is in three different instances is a pattern that you see in the life of Jesus' ministry all throughout the Gospels. And the way he serves and who he serves and how he serves is so different than what we're comfortable with and the way we want it to work. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to pick up with verse, 10, uh, verse 14. You with me? Say amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. It says, Jesus answered. No, excuse me, go back 14. The the, the, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees often fast, but your disciples, they don't fast? <laughs> 
verse 15. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the terror worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So Jesus is on full-on preaching and now, I, could, we're not, I don't want us to dig into kind of the content of what he's preaching right there, but I just want you to see what happens next. Jesus has asked a question, and he kicks into a truth bomb sermon once again. And look what happens next in verse 18. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Now, see, this right here shows Jesus is so different than most of us, especially southern mamas. Because you see what just happened? Jesus is in mid-sentence. Jesus is delivering a sermon, and here this man dares intrude and interrupt him while he's talking. You don't get by with that with a southern mama. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Like, you come in, your mom's in a conversation with somebody, you go, hey, mom, I need, boy! Grown folks are talking. Catch a backhand to the forehead quicker than you know it. Like, you didn't, come on, some, yeah, you just did not do that. And here's Jesus, mid-sermon, preaching his heart out. And it says, while he was saying this, I believe, like, Jesus was in mid-sentence preaching this word, and this guy and this intruder jumps in and interrupts Jesus and says, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Now, I think if, if this happens in the life of most modern day Christians, you know what we, our response is? How dare you? I'm talking. Come on. How dare you intrude? into what I'm doing right now. How dare you interrupt me? Do you not know how important what I'm doing right now is? How dare you step in, intrude into my sermon, intrude into my life, intrude into my vacation, intrude into my money, intrude into this thing that I have in my mind that I have to do, and think you can interrupt me, and actually I will give you some attention. Am I the only one that's acted like that at times? But look what Jesus does. Verse 19, Jesus didn't say, I'm in the middle of the sermon, sir, you can wait. It says in verse 19, Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. <laughs> Jesus was in mid-sermon, mid-preaching, and this guy just intrudes into that space and interrupts him, and Jesus is willing to drop everything and serve him. Something we need to learn there, isn't there? Come on. Like, see, most of us, man, we got these full lives and we got these plans. We got all this stuff we want to do. We got these to-do lists and these schedules and all these things that we're going on. And when somebody dares intrude into our time or comes in and happens to invade our space, 
and interrupt what we're doing. So we think, you know what? We want to serve. I'll serve when I can fit it in. I'll serve when I'm in the right mindset. I'll serve when I'm at a specific place. And I'll serve a specific people. But I'm not just going to let any old anybody come up and intrude into my life and interrupt my schedule and think they're going to actually get some time from me. And then we justify it by like, well, I have to think about me. That's awesome. But I don't know that that was like Jesus. Here he is in mid-sentence, mid-sermon. And he allows the intrusion, the interruption to come in. But then look what happens next. Verse 20. So Jesus gets up and he's like, we got to go help this guy. His daughter's dead. His man is in a panic. we got to do something to serve him and help him. So let's go. And then look what happens in verse 20. Just then... A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. So now Jesus already had a sermon interrupted. And now he has a woman trying to mess with him when he's going to try to raise a girl to the dead. How dare he do? How dare she do that? Like Jesus is on a mission. He's going to help somebody. And like she has the audacity when Jesus is headed to do something of great purpose and, and, and to show his power and to do something beautiful, how dare she interrupt him once again and intrude on where he's headed just because she needs something. And now just to show you once again the, the spirit with which Jesus served. He, like she just she catches his shirt, just, just his shirt. And she's healed. And Jesus could, could have known she was healed. So he probably said, she was healed, good stuff, let's keep going. But look what happens. As soon as this happened, verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. And those words just jump off the scripture to me. He turned and saw her because this would have been a woman who nobody had seen for 12 years. She would have been completely overlooked. I love how Matthew writes that. Jesus turned and he saw her. And for her just to be seen would have made a difference in her life. Because you've got to understand, in their culture, a woman with this kind of issue, she would have been completely shunned and avoided. She would have had no contact with her family. If she was married, her husband would have walked away from her. She would have, if, with the issue of bleeding too, they believed that if you had this kind of ailment, you must be an evil person and God has afflicted you with something nasty. So people would have not even given her, people would have overlooked her. And it's so cool to see that where everybody else overlooks, Jesus sees says he saw her. And for her just to be seen mattered. And now Jesus could have said, I'm on, I'm, I'm on my way to do something. I'm busy here. I'm, I'm doing something important. I'm, real, I, I'm big stuff, you know. So he saw her and he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. The woman was healed at that moment when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes. He said, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all the region. And can you imagine what would have been missed if Jesus would have just said, do not interrupt me. I'm busy. 
And I just wonder how many things we miss that God wants to do through us because we look at him and say, do not interrupt me, I'm busy. I have so much to do. I've got a to-do list a mile long. I've got so many things to get done. I've got all this pressure. I've got all these things to get get done. And so I just move throughout life. And God, you can use me on Tuesday, three weeks from now at 4 o'clock. And you say that's silly, but that's exactly how we approach it. We, I have people come to me and say, Matt, you know what? I want to I serve the community. When are we doing some outreach? I say, you could probably have done something yesterday. It's like we're waiting for us to allow service to be just in this nice, tidy little box and just handed to us by somebody. And when I walk through Scripture, I just don't see it that clean and neat and tidy. It's messy and unpredictable. And at times, in inconvenient and inappropriate places. And if we're going to serve like Jesus, I think there's something that we got to see in this that we need to adopt. Are y'all with me? Am I preaching anything for anybody today? And now it would be really easy to think, well, that ain't, that ain't how Jesus usually served. But flip over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Start with verse 46. It says, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which also means son of Timus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So Jesus and his caravan of people are traveling somewhere, and there happens to be somebody on the corner begging. Doesn't sound at all like it should apply to us today anyway, does it? Like we never see that. We see it. We judge it, and we move on. So, so he's leaving. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, this, this beggar on the corner, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus is traveling once again, and again, every place he set his foot was with intention and purpose. So Jesus just wasn't wandering along thinking, we got nothing to do. Let's just walk around. Jesus was going somewhere to do something very purposeful and intentional. And here's this guy standing on the street saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Like he knew there was something special about Jesus and that something amazing could happen. And look at what happens in verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So like the people with Jesus, those current followers, they look and say, be quiet. Like Jesus is busy. Jesus got better things to worry about than you. We're not giving you nothing. If we give you something, you just buy cigarettes and alcohol anyway. Somebody just said, I've said that. Can I just say, why do we get in that mentality? You know, your job is to be obedient to God. It's up to God what they do with what you do, do for them. Come on, somebody. Like we say, oh, I can't give them anything. They're just going to bust their grits and alcohol. And it's almost like we justify. If the Lord is telling you to do something, you do it. What they do with what you've done for them and to them is up to them and up to God. Your job is to be obedient. Come on, somebody. And look what happens. Jesus doesn't like Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Jesus stopped. 
Just say, I know we're in a hurry. I know we got somewhere to be. There's somebody who needs me. I said, call him. And now look how they change. <laughs> so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He, he's calling you. I mean, we wanted to ignore you, but he wants to see you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Go, he said, Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Once again, this is not planned, scheduled. Jesus didn't wake up and say, okay, guys, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, we're going to go give out donuts and tracks and hope people find me. He said, what we're going to do as we go along throughout life, as we travel through this thing, we're going to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that whenever God creates an opportunity, it doesn't matter where we're going or who we're with or what we have planned, we're going to stop and we're going to serve other people. And I know even as I'm saying that, there's people in the room like, good, people who love Jesus, you're like, you're uncomfortable with this. Because you don't want people in your life like that. Because these intruders, that, 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 you know how crazy these people are? What if they get my phone number? Or find out where I live? Or if I give them one thing, you know what? They're going to want something tomorrow. It's crazy how creative we can be to get out of helping people. But he does something beautiful for him. You know, Jesus, see, Jesus saw service a different way. He saw service in a different way than we did. He knew that if he waited for it to be convenient and appropriate, he would never do anything for anybody. And isn't that kind of how we operate? Oh, I'll serve. When can you serve? Well, in three weeks for 20 minutes. If you'll come pick me up, feed me, I need coffee. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll serve on host team once a month, but I don't want these little mini muffins. I want real muffins. And this coffee tastes like dirt. I need good coffee. Jesus just saw service different than, than we did. And he didn't wait for it to feel convenient or even appropriate. And it didn't matter who he was around or what was happening. He just did it. One more story. Mark chapter 3. It says, another time, Jesus went to the, into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So here we have a guy. He goes into church on the Sabbath, and an opportunity is about to present itself. But these people are like, you didn't do this on the Sabbath. Like, no, 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 no. This was a bad idea. And even some of us think, you know what? I can't serve on Sunday. Sunday is my day to rest. First of all, don't ever say any day is your day. If you follow Jesus now, all days are his days. And the Sabbath is a place and a time for rest and renewal, but it's not a time to be lazy and indifferent. So verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand. See, Jesus knows this. Like, he knows all these people are whispering. They're like, what's Jesus going to do? It's the Sabbath. That dude has a jacked up hand. You know Jesus can't ignore that. Jesus doesn't ignore jacked up. That's why we all got here. And, you know, Jesus said, look, Jesus says, verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, it had been really easy. Jesus, like, I know your hand hurts, but these people are crazy. 
So let's go over here in the back. I'll heal your hand, and then you get out of here, and nobody will ever know. But I love how Jesus says, Ah, come over here in front of everybody. Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or kill? But they remained silent. Verse 5, He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, their indifferent minds. Like all they cared about was their own concept of what this day meant for them. And here before them was an opportunity for a life to be radically changed. And all they were worried about was their own traditions and their own comfort. God forgive us for the same stupid attitude. And he says, what's wrong with y'all? So stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out. Look at this. And this is their response to Jesus serving somebody in need. The Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You want to serve like Jesus? What if it means serving in a way that might get you killed? Still want to serve like Jesus? See, the more I dig into the way Jesus served and the more I understand it, it flies into the face of, I think, how we typically see service. Because I think for a good portion of my life, I've seen service as an activity limited to my schedule. Like it's something I do when I can. It's something that I wait for the church to give me an opportunity to do. I see service as an activity limited to my schedule. And so, yeah, I'll serve when you want me to serve. Jesus, I'll serve you. Show me an opportunity. And Jesus is looking around like, dude, there are chances, there are opportunities every single day, but they come in the form of an intruder and in a time that feels like an interruption. And because you're not open to that intruder and willing to embrace that interruption, then you're missing it. And I think maybe we see service as an activity to limited to my schedule because maybe that's the way we see our entire relationship with Jesus. That this relationship with Jesus is something that I do when I, it kind of fits into my schedule. Like my relationship with Jesus is limited to the Sundays that I can maybe work out coming to church. Or we even have this thing like my, my relationship with Jesus is limited to my quiet time. That somehow you get to just go into this quiet time, spend time with God, and then just walk away from him. The presence of God is not something you can step in and out of. It's constant in your life. And your relationship with Jesus is not something that you schedule that you turn on and off or some kind of like uniform that you, you, you figuratively wear as you walk with Jesus. Walking with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus is all-consuming, all-encompassing. It's a moment of your life, every single moment of your life. It is something that you do. It's not something you do. It's who you are. You are not just in this activity of being a Christian. You are in a relationship with a living God who wants to be a part of every single thing that you are and every single thing that you do and he wants to be in conversation with you constantly speaking into your life and the spirit pouring over everything that you do I'm out of breath that's what it is and see if you see it as just an activity limited to my schedule then you're going to reject every intruder and resent every interruption you're going to look at the intruders as people that are just stepping on what you want for your life. And your response is going to be, 
How dare you? But what if service isn't an activity limited to my schedule? What if instead service is a love led by the Spirit? It's a love that you walk around with constantly and it's led by the Spirit to use you when and how and where and to whom He desires. And now I'm not saying that you give un. Give people unlimited access. But what I'm saying is you give God uninhibited permission. And when you give God uninhibited permission to use you, he will do unbelievable things through you. When you're constantly living in a tune with the Spirit, abiding in Him, opening Him to Him to say, yep, there they are, yep, this is it, and you can move throughout and you're able to discern when to embrace those things. If you will live in a way that sees service as a love led by the Spirit, for you will engage the intruders. Nothing reveals character more than how you treat people you don't think you need and you don't like. You will engage the intruders and you will embrace the interruptions. You'll stop seeing it as an inconvenient interruption and see it as a divine invitation to be more like Jesus. That's what it means to serve others the way Jesus served others. It's not nice and neat and tidy and limited to your schedule. It is a love that is led by the Spirit that drives you in every way. See, my hope is that we will get to the place that that Paul challenged us to be where we are compelled by love first corinthians chapter 5 verse 13 they loved in such a way because see some of y'all thinking some of y'all be like matt you crazy Uh uh-uh they thought the same thing about paul says if we're out of our mind as some say it is for god if we're in our right mind it's for you Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, my hope is that church will get to the place as a people that we are so compelled and driven by love that we are willing to engage the intruders and embrace the interruptions and actually make a difference in our world the way Jesus made a difference in his. And so that means, you know, when you get to that office and you know you got a thousand things you need to do and you dive into that computer and there you see that one coming. And they stand by your desk or your cubicle and all you're thinking is, oh Lord, please go away. But they're thinking, I'm so broken, I just need somebody to talk to. I'm so desperate to see if just one person cares. That maybe you don't see that as some intrusive interruption, but it's a divine invitation to look up and speak hope and encouragement into somebody's life. Christ's love compels us. Want to live in love like Jesus? serving others and it's not in the nice tidy neat little box that you hoped it would be would you bow your heads close your eyes with me the first step to loving people like this 
is loving Jesus. That compelling love that's going to drive us comes when Jesus puts it in us. And that happens when you live in communion and relationship with Jesus. And you can't do that until you trust him and you put your faith in him. And so if you're here today, maybe the, maybe the intruder you need to let in your life is Jesus himself. Maybe the interruption you need to embrace is the one right now that, man, you come to this service and you didn't want to pray. You don't want to think. You, don't want, you came here because somebody made you. You came here to, to tolerate a sermon and then get out. But Jesus is here. And he's looking at you and he's just saying, I just want a relationship with you. I died for you. I, I know everything you've done. I know all the scars. I know all the mistakes. I know all the crazy things that make you think you're not worthy. But I love you and I died for you. And all you have to do is just believe in who I am. And if that's you and you need to do that this morning, would you do that right where you're sitting? The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you are saved. Would you just make that decision right where you don't have to pray some, some script prayer or anything. You just have to make that decision in your heart. If you're making that decision today, I want to pray for you. If that's you, you just throw your hand up in the air and just leave it up. I just want to pray for you. Throw it up and leave it up. Amen. 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 Leave them up. Leave them up because I want to see them all. Amen. You can put them down. Amen. Or maybe you're here and you know what? You, you know Jesus and you've been walking with Jesus, but somewhere along the way because of things you've experienced or whatever, you're, you got too busy, your heart got, your heart got hard, and you've just been so closed off to allowing God to use you. And you've kind of put restrictions on God as to when he can use you and how he can use you. And it's time just to break those chains off and allow his love to overwhelm you in such a way that now you are propelled from this place and compelled by his love to meet the needs of others and serve him because his love is so great you cannot allow yourself to follow in this path anymore and just do something different that's you just make those decisions make renew that commitment that trust in who Jesus is father god i pray that right now that you would just continue to work in this room, Lord, that nobody would rush out of here not allowing you to do the work in them that you want to do. God, I thank you for the hands that went up today asking for you to come into their lives and to give themselves to you, Lord. And I pray that you would just help them to know, Lord, maybe they don't feel any different right now and maybe there's not anything crazy going on in their heart, but God, that decision is real and it's powerful and you're taking up residence in their life and you want to change them and mold them into who you created them to be. And God, help us all to stop just drifting through this life Life with our own kind of tunnel vision as to what we want to do with our days, but be open to you, Lord, and give you uninhibited permission to use us so that you can use us and do amazing things through us, God. Help us to engage the intruders that, that you bring into our lives, God, and see them the way that you saw them, to not overlook those people in our lives, God, and help us to embrace the interruptions as an invitation for you to do something powerful in our lives. And God, may we leave this place knowing that your love is driving us because it is the force that will change this world. And God, we pray that now you would just continue to move and speak and do something powerful in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship one more time, church. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.